Hello and welcome to episode number 82 of the Atlanta Man podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and I'm joined once again by my friend, Evan Etheridge. And uh, on today's episode, we got a lot to catch up on. Uh, me and Evan had to go take care of some business in Colorado, had a lot of stuff going on during the holiday. So we have been to record in a few weeks now, so uh, got a lot to catch up on. But uh, yeah, how you doing, man? How's it going? Good, man. It was a good little break. We uh, did some skiing, did some snowboarding, and uh, had a good time out in Colorado. But uh, it's good to be back. I'm ready to talk some talk some Atlanta sports. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like I said, we got a lot to talk about between all three teams as we missed a few weeks, like I mentioned, but uh, we'll start off with the Falcons and as their season officially came to an end yesterday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a win to cap off the regular season. They actually won their last two games, which isn't the greatest thing in the grand scheme of the franchise, but still definitely good to go out on a bit of a heater, but they finished the season seven and 10. They have the number eight, number eight pick in the draft. And uh, yeah, they beat Tom Brady for the first time ever. Um, even though Brady only played like the first half, I think, and he, maybe maybe not even the whole first half. I don't remember exactly, but uh, still always good to beat Tampa, and that's something the Falcons have not done since uh, Tom Brady arrived there. So what are your thoughts on these last few games? Um, we beat the Cardinals before Tampa. So, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on just how the season wrapped up in general? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of wishy-washy, you know. Um, after we got eliminated uh, two weeks ago, um, you know, you were kind of thinking ahead for the draft try to get the best pick possible and we end up winning two, you know, our last two games. So, I mean, it's kind of disappointing. I got, I kind of have mixed emotions because um, there were some positives and, and Ritter and, and London looked a lot better and, you know, as a whole. Um, but it's, it, you know, it, it's kind of weird, you know, what, what side do you want to go with? Um, you know, I think we had the opportunity to get a top five draft pick. If we lose those last two games, at, at least bump up to number six, um, but like you said, eight, we're still in a good position to get a quality player. Um, you know, you, you really got to nail these next couple drafts with with the amount of cap space we have available. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got to say about the Falcons. Yeah, it's a, it was an interesting way to end the season for sure. I mean, we playing Arizona the game before last. Uh, they were also a team that was in prime tanking position, so they weren't trying to win games either at that point. I think they ended up having number three pick, so they're really high up there. So uh, us beating them was not a surprise. And then playing Tampa on paper, you think, oh, the Buccaneers, while they're not great or better than the Falcons, but they had clinched the NFC South the week before. So uh, they were still playing some guys. Like I know, like I said, Tom Brady played uh, a good bit of this game. Godwin, Mike Evans, all those guys played a little bit. But um, still, Falcons are favored to win this game and uh, for a reason because Tampa had nothing to play for, nothing seeding or anything like that. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the draft pick stuff is what it is. They're still they're still got a good pick. Um, like I think the the what really did them in of not having a great pick was winning last week against Arizona because they're like a competitor for good draft pick and all that stuff. This one, I think, uh, even though they won this game, I think they could only have gotten the seventh pick if even, and they still needed some of their stuff to happen. So, um, I'm still I'm I'm alright with that. I mean, it was really encouraging. Um, the rookies really showed out against Tampa. Uh, Desmond Ritter, 19 of 30, 224 yards, got his first two NFL touchdown passes. That's always good. Uh, Tyler Algier, um, caps off just a fantastic rookie season. Um, he set the Falcons' all-time record for rookie rushing yards with 1,035. 
Um, that speaks for itself. That's really good. And Drake London had one of his best games of the year, six catches, 120 yards. So that's the future. Um, at least a couple of those guys um, are going to be there for sure, for sure. We'll talk about Ritter in a second. But, uh, yeah, those three guys really shined. I know Tampa probably wasn't playing 100%, but still it's definitely encouraging to see that, especially with Ritter, because he just did not look fantastic at all in his first uh, couple of games. Um, but having a nice cap to end the season is always good. So, yeah, we can talk about uh, Ritter and the quarterback situation now. Uh, so do you think Ritter is the starter next season on week one? Because I think he is, but uh, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you go ahead. Yes, I do. Um, you know, I think being a QB in, in, in the NFL takes some time, and I think sitting behind a veteran like Mariota, I mean, obviously not the best, um, but you definitely learn a lot of things just watching. And, you know, he's progressively looked better every game. I mean, you look at his QB rating, um, it, it's gone up in every single game. Uh, yesterday was encouraging, um, over over 200 yards, I think, for the first time. Um, but, but yeah, I think he is the starter. I don't think we go QB pick one. I think we're out of the, the Bryce Young sweepstakes. Um, I think you have to be top five, probably top three to get that guy. He's a stud. Um, I think I think we try to go, you know, in the draft. I think we go D line, you know, get a pass rusher or or, or offensive line and, and protect Ritter a little bit more. Um, you know, I think we're very comfortable with what we have running running the ball. I think Algier is a beast. You know, he he hit a thousand yards, which was fantastic, and he wasn't even, you know, the full time starter until halfway through when when Patterson ended up getting hurt, and and even then he was splitting carries. So. He's he's been very encouraging. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he can he can run the ball 20, 25 times a game, no, no problem. And he's a tank. He he gets better as the game goes on. I think we have a good core. I think we're just we're just missing some some bigger, bigger guys, get to the QB, protect Ritter. And yeah, I think I think he will be the starter next year. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, I think that's uh I mean I know we've uh, I've kind of joked and half serious at Lamar Jackson, but I just I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, that's like the one if if that's your plan, then I'm fine with that. But like, I don't see the point of like getting a stopgap like a I don't know Ryan Tannehill or Daniel Jones or uh, Derek Carr or something. Like, I don't see the value of doing that when you have Ritter and you can see what he's got for a full season. Um, and if like, I mean, Ritter, he, he, he still could not be the guy. I know we we're uh, kind of singing his praises now. He's been he was good against Tampa, but he might not be the guy and the Falcons might suck next year. And then if you want to go um, quarterback in the draft, there's Caleb Williams, if you really want to go for it. Um, and he might even be a better prospect than Bryce Young in some respects. So, you know, I think there's kind of a clear plan there that makes sense um, for all parties. Really, you give Ritter a chance, full season, um, see what he's got. If he doesn't have it, then you can move on. And you got a, a nice quarterback in the draft that's a possibility, or you could try to find somebody else that's already in the league. But yeah, I mean, it, it just that's what makes the most sense in my mind. That's kind of what I want. Um, I kind of want to see him get a fair shake because you know, him coming into the season this late and you no, know, not playing super well until now, you know, it's just not really fair of a sample. Uh, you know, him sitting behind Mariota and kind of coming off the bench cold and you know, the Falcons just aren't like the greatest team all around right now. And uh, so, yeah, I think him getting a fair shot is uh, definitely a good thing. And the Falcons got a lot of cap space, so they can add around him, uh, give him some protection, like you said. And uh, looking at the mock draft right now, the Falcons on this one, this is Tankathon, which is the one I use the most. But they got 
Falcons taking Brian Brees, Breesy, Brees. Uh, don't know how to say his last name exactly. My apologies, but he's a defensive lineman from Clemson. So that's kind of the uh, idea of where they um, got the Falcons going. But like, uh, there's a tackle from Northwestern who's a pretty big prospect, uh, one from Ohio State. So there's some offensive line help there too if you want to go in that direction. But uh, they've got options for sure. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to get like Jalen Carter or Will Anderson without trading up. Those are two. Those are the two uh, big defensive prospects in the draft, but. You know, still definitely some value. And, uh, yeah, like you said about drafting a quarterback in this draft, this is probably not going to happen. Um, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are both projected to be in the top five. The Falcons aren't there. And the only guy that's, like, in the Falcons range, or two guys, I should say, are Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. And I'm just uh, – I'm good. I would uh, – yeah, yeah, I'm good on those two. I'd rather stick with Ritter for the uh, for next season, see what he's got. And, uh, you know, full, he'll have a full season. Drake London will have another year under his belt. We'll have Kyle Pitts back for the full season, hopefully. Um, Tyler Algier will be a year older, all that stuff. Um, definitely got some weapons, too. And if you improve the offensive line with Arthur Smith's play calling, it could be a, a nice offense. And the Falcons could be sneaky sneaky good next year on offense if Ritter can progress a little bit. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of all I got on the uh, Ritter situation, quarterback situation. Definitely a positive note to end the year. And uh, the last piece of news on the Falcons, this came out this morning, actually, is that Dean Pease is retiring. He's been the Falcons defensive coordinator ever since Arthur Smith took over. Um, he's an older guy. I don't know how old he is exactly, but um, he is definitely up there in age. So it's not super surprising. Uh, he's a guy that's been around the NFL for a long time um, being a defensive coordinator. Uh, so the Falcons are going to be on the market for uh, a new coordinator. Uh, so you got any thoughts on uh, Dean Pease departing? Um and his defenses probably weren't fantastic in Atlanta, but definitely he's the guy that's respected around the league and uh, kind of surprised a few people that he retired, but not really me because he is really old, like I said. Yeah, um, I think we pro- progressively got better on the defensive side of the ball every year uh, since Smith was here. Uh, this year, you know, he, he, he really wasn't working with a lot of weapons. Like he kind of managed, I think, pretty well with, with what he would, with what talent we have on the field. Um, you know, it, it's not very surprising. Uh, we'll have to definitely fill that role hopefully sooner than rather than later. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, not a big surprise. I think, you know, I think Smith, Arthur Smith has a lot of, uh, experience working with the Titans. Um, you know, that, that defense was very stout for, for years when he was there. Um, so yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll just see what happens, see how that plays out. And, uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's something a little bit more down the road in the offseason. I'm sure there's not going to be an answer to that question for a while, um, as Falcons got a lot of time on their hands now that the season's over. So I'm sure they'll they'll figure out a solid option. I know people have been flown around Vance Joseph. He was the uh, Cardinals DC, and Cliff Kingsbury just got fired, so he might be on the move. He might be their head coach though, so you just never know. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm sure we'll, we'll get an answer to that probably a couple months or so before before the spring. So we'll uh, we'll deal with that when we get there. So. Yeah, um, that'll wrap up the uh, Falcons talk. And now it's time I got, to talk. Again. I got one more, one more thing. Go ahead. One more thing. Go ahead. <clears throat> if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season what our record would have been, you know, I- I'm thinking maybe four wins. To to get seven was, you know, kind of impressive, really. I mean, like seven wins, and I legitimately think we could have had four more. Like if if things oh, go yeah. our way, like on, on a couple of plays, um, we're we're looking at division champs. I mean. The Bucks just went negative and and won the division, so this looks very promising. I think I think next year is going to be a this off season. We better get busy um, because we're seeing a little window opening up here with with the Panthers, Saints, and Bucks all struggling. 
Um, I don't think, you know, Tom Brady is not what he used to be. We're, we're seeing the the downfall of Tom Brady right now. And, and I love it. Can't lie. But I think uh, <laughs> with the amount of cap space, we really have to nail this next draft coming up. And I'm, I'm going to be very, very into, you know, prospects and, and, and signing people. I think, I think this is going to be a huge offseason for the Falcons, and I'm I'm ready to make that next step. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that is that, that is does need to be mentioned. I mean, I think they finished seven and ten last year, also, which was also like an overachievement for last year's team. But uh, you're right. I mean, looking back, it kind of, I mean it, we we've already like kind of mourned the bad losses, like the Taquan Graham fumble against the Chargers, the multiple Mariota picks, the Drake London fumbles. Like, <laughs> there's been a lot of them that are very winnable games. The First thing against the Bucks, the Tom Brady, Tom Brady uh, sack, oh. roughing the passer, which was just not. You know, there's a lot. I mean, yeah, the Falcons could have won ten games, like, kind of easily yeah. if a couple things go differently, which is wild to say. Um, but who knows if the Falcons might have won some of those games? Mariota might still be the quarterback. <laughs> so I don't know. Sure. It's hard. It's hard to tell. But yeah, um, like like you said, the NFC South is kind of wide open. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Tom Brady is a Raider. Um, that's what I've been seeing, and uh, so I'm fine with that. And like you said, the Panthers and the Saints, um, I don't know what their direction is. I mean, the Saints have just like benched Jameis Winston for Andy Dalton all season, kind of inexplicably. So I don't know what's up with them. And uh, the Panthers, I, I mean, they end up having like a good season. I mean, for, from what things look like when they fired Matt Rule, like they're going to be the, easily the number one pick in the draft. They end up almost winning the division, which is mm-hmm. kind of just kind of a testament of how bad the NFC South was. But, you know, I don't know what their plan is, a quarterback, if they're going to try to get a guy in the draft or whatever. But, yeah, it's wide open. And like you said, a few tweaks. They got plenty of cap space, a few good draft picks, and you're in the playoffs. Like it's pretty easy. easy. Like It's like the AFC South kind of. You know, I mean, the two divisions are very similar. They're just very thin. And, yeah, a couple of things go your way, you're in the playoffs. So I'm glad you brought that up because it's definitely, definitely a possibility. It was a possibility this season. And uh, there's definitely no powerhouses in this division whatsoever, which is uh, good good for the Falcons. So, yeah, like you said, very important offseason coming up and one that could be like kind of just uh, build the path to the future of this franchise. I mean, if they can get, get the right guys in, in the, in the building for sure. So definitely, definitely going to be uh, keeping track of the draft and free agency this off season. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do. So uh, yeah, you ready to move on to the Hawks now after. Yes, sir. Uh, let's do it. All right, let's get it. This is, this will not be as fun, which is kind of hard to say when, after you get done talking about the Falcons, but um, the Hawks have been struggling um, as of late for sure. They're 19 and 21, which is just not good at all. Um, they are 10th in the East, which is the last play-in spot of the play-in tournament, which, uh, you know, you don't want to be in that tournament anyways. And they're only two games ahead of the Wizards uh, for even being in any kind of postseason. Um, they just got off of a West Coast trip, which didn't go terrible, um, but it didn't go great either. They split uh, the West Coast trip two and two. They beat the Kings and the Clippers and they lost to the Warriors and the Lakers um, but yeah, we're just going to kind of talk about the, the Hawks broadly because we've just, we haven't recorded in such a long time. We can't just go through every single one of these games. We'd be here for two hours, <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, on the notes it says it's two and five in their last seven and Clint Capella has missed those last seven games, which, uh, is not at all surprising. I think in my opinion, Capella has been the best player on the team this year with, um, how Trey has still really not found his shooting stroke and, 
you know, DeJounte has been fine, but I think Capella's just been really good defensively this year. And, you know, you're kind of seeing uh, the Hawks struggle without him. So, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on what's been going on lately? Um, I know you want to talk about that uh, Golden State game, which was a doozy, which the, the Hawks have found themselves in a few of those this year. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, that that West Coast trip easily could have been three and one instead of two and two. That Warriors game was absolutely nuts, double overtime. Um, but, yeah, I just think <sighs> – We've been so inconsistent this year, um, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, I think w- at least once a game, if 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 we're up big or or if it's a close game or what, we always have one quarter where we get absolutely smacked. It's just smacked around, and it, it, it lets the, the team either back into it or they just get a huge lead. And it, it's just – I don't know what it is, if, it, if it's Nate McMillan, you know, keeping the wrong rotations in too long or, or not doing enough, but it always seems like, you know, basketball is already a very streaky game. We know this, but it just seems like other teams go on absolutely hot streaks with, uh, against us. And, um, you know, during crunch time in the fourth quarter, we have a lot of these one possession games that, that are just not going our way. The offense looks very sluggish. There's no movement at all. Um, and I think Nate McMillan is is very much on the hot seat. He he's done a terrible job uh, managing this this team. Um, you know, obviously injuries. We've stayed injured this this entire year, and you you want to see us at full health, but it just it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. I mean, like you said, Clint Capella has missed the last seven games, and he's been our dark horse MVP. Um, he he just does so much rebounding and 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 the little things, just being physical. And uh, it, it's so important, man. And and I don't know if my heart can take it, uh, another play in, another <laughs> win, to, another win two and get in like last year. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um it's been rough. The vibes are not good at all. Um, they did win last night, which does help a little bit. And they could have like like you said earlier, they had the one bad quarter in every game. That was true last night. Um, last night in the second quarter, they won the quarter forty-one to twenty-six. Played awesome. Went into halftime up by 14 points. Third quarter, they get outscored 35 to 19, <laughs> like right on yeah. cue. Like it's really what they did. They end up winning, which is good. Um, to end the end the road trip with the win over a Clippers team that's good. Um, Kawhi was playing, so when Kawhi plays, the Clippers are very good. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's weird, man. And just looking at it now, like, um, on Wednesday against the Bucks, that is the official halfway point of the season. Like it's kind of snuck up on us. Like they've been. They just it's been a rough season. Like it's like it's not early anymore. We're halfway through. So um yeah, like you mentioned when Nate him being on the hot seat. I mean, there was the reports that he thought about resigning already this year. Um, I don't know how like how serious that was on his part of how like if he was actually about to do it. Um, I know watching that Kings game the other night, I like the I mean, the way that they were blowing that game, they ended up winning, thank God. But um, with the way things were looking, I thought if they would have lost that game, that the next morning there would have been a press release saying that McMillan was gone. I really think that maybe even last night with that Clippers game, if they would have blown that one too, like he is on thin ice and he keeps on just kind of saving himself at the last minute. Because if he would have lost that um Kings game, or we would have, I should say, the Hawks, not just Nate, it's not all his fault. But that would have been the fifth loss in a row. And then um, on Friday against the Lakers, they got blown out. So it could have easily been uh, six straight losses. For the, or seven straight losses, beg your pardon. So that's like it's it's tough. Like it's really tough. And um he keeps saving himself. Hopefully they can get something going now. Um we play Milwaukee on Wednesday and they're like one of the best teams in the league, obviously. 
And uh, the schedule is kind of weird. Um, you know, like you play like the Pacers who are kind of overachieving, the Raptors who are kind of underachieving, but still talented, the Heater who are underachieving, but they're still the Heat. Like it's 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 an interesting schedule up ahead. Definitely nothing that's like uh, being insanely tough to navigate, but they got to start stringing some wins together, man. I mean, like it, they can't be in the play-in again. I, I mean, I just, I don't want that after what happened last year, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's it's just been a weird year and the injury luck has not fell in their favor at all. It feels like as soon as we get one guy back and other guys back on the shelf, like Collins comes back, Capella's out, Capella comes back, then Murray's got something, Bogey comes back and yada, 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 so on and so forth. Someone's hurt. And uh, yeah, it's it's been weird, but I do want to bring up this one stat I got, or it's maybe a couple of stats, but the Hawks with their five, Five-man lineup, they're starting lineup, their best five guys, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Clint Capella. They have the best use or of, of – hold on, let me, let me preface this. It's uh, 300 minutes minimum. So out of all the lineups that have played 300 minutes, the Hawks have the best net rating in the NBA with those five guys on the court. So that's that kind of shows that when this team is healthy, they are still can still be very good. Um, but the problem is, two problems, they haven't been healthy at all. Clint's still out, and uh, the bench has been pretty bad too. But still, like the Hawks, um, when all five guys play, they're twelve and seven this year, which isn't great, but that's still solid. Um, but uh, yeah, if they can get Capella back and keep everybody healthy for an extended stretch of time, they could crawl themselves out of this hole and get back out of the play-in for sure. But the bench has got to step up. You know, Bogey's got to be better on defense. He's still kind of recovering from that knee injury, but there's still some hope. I'm not, uh, I'm not calling it in yet. Um, it's not Victor Wimbanyana time or anything like that. It's uh, there's still some hope here. So, yeah, what do you what do you think about that of having all five guys back? Because that would just sound great if they, they all of our players could play. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, I just want that for once. You know, I think <laughs> yeah. three weeks ago it was the first time I think we had like a fully healthy lineup. Like everyone was like no one was on the reports, and you know we had a, we had a full lineup, and it was like okay, this is time we're gonna start catching some heat, and then boom, Capella's out. You know, like you said, it, it's it's never it, it's it, we haven't had a full full lineup for this this entire year. And, you know, we've been having to piece together, um, you know, just just piece to piece together these games. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's really been frustrating to watch. Um, I, I really hope Trey kind of keeps it up. He, he's been playing much better these last four or five games. Um, Hunter, since he returned from injury, averaging 19 points, six rebounds. One and a half steals. Like shout out to him last night. He he really held Kawhi down, um, yeah, even though he was their their leading scorer. He he was he was locking him down for a little bit. And um, you know Trey had a couple clutch floaters uh, in the fourth, which was you know good to see that get that get that pick and roll back in, back in motion, um, w- w- even without Capella. So um, yeah, I, I I'm 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 still positive overall on this team. Um, I I think we just need more time together, healthy. Um, you know, I, I kind of see Murray kind of taking a backseat a little bit here recently, last couple weeks. I think Trey, you know, I think him and Trey are still kind of learning how to play together. You know, they're two stars. They want the ball in their hands, uh, of course, but um, you got to do what's best for the team. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more. I'd like to see better uh, play calling from, from Nate McMillan, a, a more fluid offense. I think there's a lot of guys that are playing off the ball and they're not moving at all. Um, I think we need to get back to that pick and roll you know, high screens up top, just, just a more fluid offense. You know, I think we can piece together. I mean, our schedule coming up isn't too bad. Like you said, 
Um, but but there's a couple of teams here that that are legit. Like you said, he the Raptors always give us problems. You know, you got Luca with the Mavs. You got you got our rivals in the Knicks coming to Atlanta. So I'm looking for at least the you know win, winning four out of you know six of those games. I think and uh, yeah, it's crunch time. Like you said, it's halfway through the season. I didn't even realize that. Um, but but it's time. It, I mean, it's time. It's, it's time to step up for real. So. Yeah, and I, th- I think one thing that's been like a little bit of a positive with Capella being out is that John Collins has been just a lot more involved in general, especially offensively. I know he he had a really rough start shooting the ball to start the year, shooting threes, which I mean, kind of the whole team did. So I mean, I don't I don't know what was up with that, but he's he's been more involved in the offense. I guess with the pick and roll, him and Trey have been, um, you know, having that same chemistry that they had like back when the Hawks were bad <laughs> before. Uh, before things got good for the Hawks and how they were during the uh, big playoff run. Um, so Collins has been playing a lot better offensively, which is huge. And some of that has has been the Hawks been playing smaller lineups with him at the five without Clint and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that, that's that's one thing that that's been kind of positive out of all of this. I know they're against the Lakers when they were down. Um, him and Trey, John Collins and Trey played the entire third quarter together because they were just playing so well and like we're starting to get back in the game. So, I mean, if you can get John going, um, DeJounte, Capella back, you know, I mean, there's a ton of talent on this team still. Like, it is it is what it is. It's still the same roster that we were excited about coming into the season. Um, you know, they do lack some depth off the bench. Um, you know, I don't want to get into Kevin Herter stuff again. I've talked about that a lot, but, I mean, they miss him dearly. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's halfway through. You're right, it's crunch time. It's time to get back in it. But you said if you go four and two to your next six, you're back at 500. And – you know, you can just go from there, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, time to go. It's time to go. One more note: the uh, the Boston Celtics last year were nineteen and twenty one, sitting in the same position as we are. So you know, it's fate, destiny. I don't know, but it's time. It's time to lock back in. That's a good point. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, we're not just in that. It is kind of a good point. I know it's not like uh, you can't really expect that out of the Hawks, but I mean, the Hawks are a talented team kind of like just like the Boston team last year was talented. Like it's uh you can turn these things around. I mean, the Hawks did a couple of years ago. They kind of did it last year too, not to the same extent. I mean, they had a rough start last year and they ended up getting above 500 started going to the playing tournament. But in two years ago, I know they had to fire Lloyd Pierce to get out of the hole, but which I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen with Nate. Um, that's kind of the thing. If, if you do fire Nate, like there's not, you don't have like when they fired Lloyd Pierce, they had Nate McMillan as a bench coach who was a proven NBA head coach and all that. They don't have that anymore. It would just be like a pure interim guy that's never really um, coached before. Um, so that that's one thing to th- consider if you want to fire Nate. You don't have a great replacement, but um, yeah, they could they could definitely make a run like the Celtics did last year. I mean, the Celtics had a ton of offensive problems last year, half of, first half of the season. They play great defense, which Hawks have been good on defense, but um, they really struggled um, shooting the ball and all that, and they just couldn't get nothing going offensively. And then they started getting going offensively, and look where they ended up. They ended up almost won the finals. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And um, there's still time. There's still time. But I know the vibes have been bad, but I'm glad they won last night. It makes you feel a little, a little better about things. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a weird year, but hopefully they can turn things around. So any last thoughts on the, on the Hawks? before we talk about the, all the brave stuff that went on. Nah, man. Good. All right. So talk about the Braves now who have, uh, they made one pretty big, I wouldn't say it's a move. It is a move, but like a, with a guy that's already on the roster with a Sean Murphy extension, and then a bunch of a little 
um, on the margin stuff that happened uh, that affect the team. But we'll start off with the Sean Murphy extension, which uh, kind of, you know, wasn't a huge surprise with um, the way Anthopolis operates, obviously. Um, kind of took longer than I expected, honestly. I think um, kind of got spoiled like last year with the Matt Olson trade. It happened the day after he got traded. Um, but, uh, yeah, they extend Sean Murphy, a six-year deal worth $73 million and a $15 million club option for the seventh year. Um, so uh, what are your thoughts on this deal? I know you, I know you probably weren't shocked by this, but uh, still very notable that they have locked another guy up long-term. Yeah, this is a this is a AA masterpiece. Uh, trade for a guy, go ahead and sign him for a nice cheap deal. Um, you know, fantastic player in his prime right now. I think this is going to be this is going to be a great signing here in a couple of years. Um, I know I, I saw a bunch of Mets fans in my mentions just 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 saying, uh, how does he get away with this? How does he do this again? Like the the Jesse Pinkman, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, that's fantastic, man. I'm I'm super stoked. This gets me even more excited. You know, the Braves this offseason have haven't really done much, but you know, you look what they did during the season. You know, extending Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, and, and trading and signing this guy Sean Murphy, uh, who, who's a top three catcher in the game. I mean, this is just. It's just this this kind of stuff is going to go kind of under, um, you know, under the radar for for a lot of people. But this is this is a fantastic way to uh, to introduce your new catcher to Atlanta. Yeah, for sure. And like like you mentioned, like Mets fans, I'm just Mets fans. They're just people and like just baseball people in general. Like, is what the Braves do bad for the sport? Like, uh, like I don't know why they're trying to die on this hill, the Sean Murphy one, because this one isn't even like this is like reasonable. You know, I mean, there have been some of the contracts like the Acuna, Albies and Michael Harris contracts. I have a hard time saying those are reasonable contracts for the players. <laughs> this one is perfectly fair for Sean Murphy, I think. I mean, he's 28 years old, $73 million locked up like that's life changing money. Like this is not this is not the one that I'd be uh, dying on the hill of um, if that's that's the way you say it. I don't even know uh, the way to word that. But like it's this is a perfectly reasonable deal, I think, for Murphy and the Braves. I'm glad they did it. And I think if you're Sean Murphy and his agent, this is perfectly fine. Also, I kind of just put this one with like the uh, Matt Olson, Strider, Riley deals, which it's like good about could be good value for the team, but also perfectly normal extensions for the player. I mean, Sean Murphy's a catcher, catch, like the only catcher that's getting paid more than him, I think is probably real Mudo now. And he's making a good bit more, but he's JT real Mudo. He's the best catcher in the game. But um, yeah, it's it's a really good deal for the Braves. I'm really excited about it. And uh, yeah, you just mark off another position on the field that is just going to be under control for the next half a decade. Like it's pretty wild, um, you know. And uh, speaking of the extensions, I don't know if you saw the the Rafael Devers extension that he just got. That makes the Austin Riley extension look a lot better because they are like virtually the same exact player, <laughs> and they're the same age and all that stuff. So he got like a hundred and twenty more million dollars than Riley in like a mm-hmm. one more year. Like it's yeah, that that looks a lot better for the Braves, as a lot of their signings do this offseason with how much guys have been getting paid. Like even like I know we talked a lot of shit on the Charlie Morton deal, seeing what some of the starters have gotten this offseason that looks perfectly fine now. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a good deal. I like it. And um, yeah, only like there's still only a couple of spots left that aren't locked up long term. And you know, I think that Anthopolis kind of might want to keep him that way. Like left field, shortstop DH, no one there long term. And I kind of think that he, I guess, what do you think about this? Do you think that he wants to have every position on the field just locked up? Like, no doubt about it. There are, there are 
left fielder, shortstop for the next decade? Like, do you think he wants that, or do you think he wants like more of like a fluid situation at some positions to where you're like can like move on from guys, you know, and then stuff like that? You don't want to be locked in every position. That I kind of think that the other day, but I, I don't know your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's a good point. I think you know um, he likes to keep a couple positions open so he can run and grab that veteran for a year. You know, one one year, twenty two million. Um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Uh, I think you got two outfielders locked up that can play any position out there. So you can always have a, have a guy that you like, you know, guy that's a, it's on an expiring deal. You can trade for in the middle of the season. You can, you can sign this guy to a one or two year short-term contract. Um, you know, I, I really like what he's doing. I mean, I can't complain. I think third base, second base, first base locked up, you know, shortstop, you can kind of, you know, see what you got in Grissom. You know, if you don't, if, if that's not your long-term, you know, sign somebody. Um, but it's just so important to have uh, a core that is signed and, you know, determined and, and wants to be here for, for good value. I mean, it's, it's amazing what he's done. You know, if you think about it, shortstop is the only position that is like kind of wide open. Um, cause, cause like I said, you can, you can move, Ronald and, and Michael Harris around the outfield if you like. And, you know, if you need a right fielder or, you know, you can, you can move Acuna to left field. You can sign a right fielder. I mean, it, it's just kind of like, it's just awesome what he's doing, man. And it's just so, so promising to see really. Yeah. that might be like what went into the thought process of not bringing back Dansby thinking like, Hey, maybe we want to, you know, keep things a little more fluid here. We can see what we got in Grissom and, you know, guys like like I know we talked about a good bit like Elvis Andrews is still out there if they want to go that route or whatever. And uh, another guy still out there, Carlos Correa, still not signed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, hey, it would be the like I like I mean, Anthopolis is already just like goaded in every respect as a GM can get with what he's done. If this was his like galaxy brain plan, he's like, all right, I know about the I know about the leg. He's got a bad leg. Team's gonna try to sign him. It's not gonna go well. He's not gonna get the long-term deal. Let him go out and try to get the 12-year deal. They're gonna look at his medicals, bad leg. Comes to the Braves, short-term deal, Anthopolis special. He's the shortstop. <laughs> that would be I'm not, I'm not I, I highly doubt it. I don't think the Braves are getting Cray at all. But if that was just somehow like his thought process, and if he and if that somehow happens, if we take him from the Mets, that would just be like incredible. Probably would be the one of the greatest days of my life, honestly. Just what, to see what do you melt down uh, on Twitter. What do you think of a two-year, seventy-five million dollar contract for Carlos Correa? I would do it instantly. I I, I would do <laughs> one year, forty-five million for him. Like <laughs> I would easily do that. I don't know if yeah. the Braves would, but I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm down. I mean, dude, that con- that that situation is just so weird. Like it's the second team now to to, to quote unquote si- sign him and. Um, you know, I saw a picture the other day of his, his kid wearing a, I love New York shirt, his little baby. And so, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of funny. Like what's going on yeah. with this guy? What's going on with his, with his agent, you know, Scott Boras, I'm not a fan. I don't know about you. I'm not a fan of that guy. I think, I think he kind of just is gut wrenching for, for like every single penny he can get out of, out of a, out of a deal. He kind of holds team ho- teams hostage, hostage. And, um, yeah, I mean, something's got to happen soon with 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 Correa, and every single day that goes by, I, I think he's I think he's not going to the Mets. I just don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I agree. I think the longer it goes on, is 
the the worst for the Mets. I mean, the fact that they haven't came with a resolution. I think it's been like two weeks since it was reported that they had problems with his um physical too. Like uh, yeah. And as far as Boris goes, there's a reason. Like I don't think the Braves have any Boris clients on their team. And uh, I know the Dodgers don't either. The Dodgers don't deal with Scott Boris. Like he's just they don't they don't do that. <laughs> it's a it's a kind of a known thing. They haven't signed a Boris client since like 2011. I don't know when the last time the Braves had one. If they even ever have had one. Um. So yeah, he probably is like the guy that GMs probably don't love to work with. I mean, he's good at his job. Got him credit at that point, but he probably is an insufferable guy all around. But um, yeah. Um. You know, at the very least, I need Correa to go back to the Twins or something. I think that would be fantastic. I would take that at this point keep him off the Mets because, you know, I don't know exactly what's wrong with his leg, but I do know in the short term, at least the short term is not what they're, these teams are hung up about. They're hung up about giving him 11, 12 years and how it's going to look then with the leg. But I mean, if Correa's in the Mets next year, they're a lot better and I don't like that. So if you can go back mm-hmm. to the twins, go home, Carlos, go back to Minnesota. I know you love it there. And uh, <laughs> if you're not going to the Braves, go to the twins. It's my second, second team for you. Um, but yeah, it's a weird situation all around. I don't know what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. Um, but it is funny. But yeah, I am. I've already seen a couple of Frank the Tank meltdowns about this, and there hasn't even been a resolution yet. He hasn't even left the Mets yet, and he's already saying the Mets are going to lose a hundred games, and ninety-seven of them will be because of Darren Ruff. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yeah, what's going to happen. They don't have they it. don't have James McCann to to bail them out anymore. So they... yeah. Which, yeah, I, I'm going to miss James McCann. I was a huge James McCann fan when he was on the legend. Mets. Legend. Yes, he was a Mets legend. Um, but, yeah, we can uh, we can move on now to the rest of the uh, the Braves. Small moves they made, but still notable. Um, this one is actually kind of kind of a, a, an MLB caliber move. They get Lucas Lickey from the Yankees, who is a solid left-handed pitcher. Um, pulling up his page right now. He is a bit older. I think he is um, 35. He's mid- 35, yeah. So he is not a young man by any means, but he's been with the Yankees the past two years, and he has been pretty solid for them. Um, 2.74 ERA in 2021 and a 2.67 ERA last year of, with the Yankees. Put up some good strikeout numbers all around, just solid numbers, good FIP. Um, he hadn't pitched um, before 21, 2021 since 2015 in the big league, so kind of like a comeback story too. So um, hold on, I got a hair in my mouth. Sorry for the listeners, but I can't talk right now. I got this hair stuck on my tongue. <laughs> yeah, I was I was looking at his reference page, and I saw it. there was a big gap from 2015 to 2021. I'm not sure if he stepped away from the game or or what. Usually, they they tell you when they go to another league or not, but I'm not too sure. But you know, looking at the last two years, ERA below three. Um, you know, this this guy could be kind of surprising to 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 a lot when you when he, you know, we we. We're up eight to two, and we go to the bullpen, and you see this this tall lefty come out, and you're like, "Who who the heck is this guy?" Like, that's that's I don't even know what number he's gonna wear, but um, <laughs> hopefully, he gets some solid, you know, keeps 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 it up. I mean, uh, super cheap contract, and you know, he, he produced for the Yankees for a couple years, so we'll see. Yeah, and answer your question about what he was up to in that six year gap, he was just floating around the minors. Um, 2016, wow. he was with the Angels in AAA, then with the Orioles and Reds in AAA. Then he was with the Diamondbacks with AA and AAA in 2019. Did not pitch at all in 2020, and then 2021 was on the Yankees. So good for him. I mean, I think most guys yeah, would have just said, cool. hey, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done pitching. I'm tired of being in AAA for five years, but he stuck with it. And, yeah, now he's he's a real big leaguer, and he's, I mean, two really good 
relief seasons under his belt. And uh, he'll be an interesting piece, see what they do. And uh, kind of in the same ilk as this next guy we're about to talk about, Jackson Stevens is back. Um, he got DFA'd earlier in the offseason, part of the Dennis Santana deal. Um, but the Braves bring him back on like a split minor league, big league contract, um, like an invite to spring training and all that. Um, Jackson Stevens was solid last year. Um, uh, and the, he was kind of like that mop-up role a little bit, end up in some high leverage moments and extra innings, but uh, definitely uh, performed reasonably reasonably well in um, some higher leverage spots. So we think about bringing him back because um, like Jackson Stevens, big country. Yeah, big country. I like him, man. I, yeah. I was surprised when uh, we let him go, like DFA'd him. Um, a couple months ago, but you know, glad to see him back on a little cheap deal. I think he, uh, I think he'll definitely make roster and uh, provide some good innings for us again. Man, he was solid last year for sure. Yeah, and uh, the bullpen just uh, keeps on looking better and better as the days go on. Um, Licky's a good piece. Jackson Stevens a good piece. I've already got like Joe Jimenez. Um, so yeah, the bullpen's going to be good. Never really worried about Braves bullpen. They've just been so good for like pretty much three, four years now. I don't really worry about them much. Um, but uh, speaking of the bullpen, there was one farewell we need to talk about, and it is to Braves legend Luke Jackson. He is officially gone. He is with the San Francisco Giants now, and he got paid um, way more than I thought he would, which is great for him. I'm glad. He gets two years, $11.5 million from the Giants, and that is really good, I think, for a guy that's coming off a year where he didn't throw a single pitch and is coming off Tommy John. Um, but I'm really happy for Luke. I, I love Luke Jackson. He's a World Series champion. He'll forever be a legend in my eyes. He was great for the team, um, the World Series run, and he seemed like a good guy all around, a funny guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, really good for him. So what are your thoughts on him and getting this uh, nice little payday for sure? Yeah, sad to see your boy 77 go. Yep. Uh, <laughs> God, he, he was a good guy, man. People, he, he definitely got a lot of flack, which some of it was uh, deserved, but I think he was he was solid for a little while. Like, he, he would go on streaks where – he would give up one run over his last 15 innings pitch. Like the dude's curveball is absolutely disgusting. Um, he's had some, he had some huge moments for us over the past, uh, past few years, four years, I think five years. Um, so yeah, I mean, it kind of sucks to see him, see him go, go out like that. He he was injured, I think last year from, for the most part. Um, yeah, he didn't pitch at all last year. Yeah. Yeah. So um, sucks to see him go, but you know, it's kind of part of business, man. It's a good guy. Yeah, and um, I think some someone pulled it up, but in uh, during 2017 and 2018, I think the Braves DFA'd him six or seven times within the span of a year, and he just kept on sticking around with the Braves. And then he like in 2019, he was the closer for a little bit. I don't know if you remember, but before the trade deadline, he had 18 saves, and that's when that's when people like I'll say this about Lou Jackson, he did not make a lot of friends with like middle aged men. I've noticed. <laughs> The middle-aged Braves fans were not fans of Luke Jackson. Um, and, I mean, he was fine. I mean, 2019, he was good. And then um, in 2021, 1980 ERA over 63 and two-thirds innings. That's awesome. He was part of the night shift, the legendary night shift that uh, took us to the World Series. I mean, I know he had that one that one moment against the Dodgers, the Cody Bellinger homer, which even though we won the World Series, like that, like just the, the pain in my stomach when that happened, <laughs> I still remember. Even after winning the World Series, it's like, oh, my God, like that was just demoralizing. But I love Luke. I'm happy for him. Nice little payday, all that stuff. And especially for a guy coming off Tommy John, that's that's pretty, pretty wild that he got that much money. I mean, he could still be good, but it's just like, how old is he? He's 31. Um, so he'll be 31 years old coming off Tommy John. Like, that's really good for a guy in his situation. So happy yeah. for him. 
And I, yeah, like I was thinking, like it was reported that the Giants were about to sign him. And I was like, oh man, I wish the Braves. So I was expecting to be like one year, three mil. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like man, I wish the Braves would just end that, just bring him back. But then I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, that's why. All right. Yeah, yeah. But and still, I, yeah. I want to talk about that Cody Bellinger home run. I still don't know how he hit that ball out. It was not a bad pitch. That was not Luke Jackson's fault. Not at all. Not at all. Not a, I, mean, I, I don't know how he hit the ball out. And, and I don't blame Luke for throwing the high cheddar. I mean, that that's where you just tip your cap, man. That was insane. Yeah, I mean, straight up tomahawked it. And I mean, that, oh, my God, that was God. so bad. That was bad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, all is well that ends well. And that happened with Luke him. And, uh, yeah, I wish him the best luck in San Francisco. All that good stuff. So, uh, yeah, last last note we got on the Braves is that they made another trade. Eli White. Um and didn't know didn't know too much about old Eli White until the other day when the Braves um traded for him. But they traded cash to get him from the Rangers. He's a center fielder, and I'm pretty sure he's like very, very fast and can play good defense, and he just cannot hit. So maybe he's just like an option for a defensive replacement, pinch runner, which um that definitely has some value. But um yeah, the Braves haven't done anything too major as far as adding players to the team. Um, but there's still some guys out there uh, that they could uh, bring in for outfield DH options. Adam Duvall still out there, Braves legend. Um, Nelson Cruz is out there. Um, Mike Moustakis just got cut. Um, he's not very good anymore. Miguel Sano, good DH. Like, there's still some options. Andrew McCutcheon, Trey Mancini, um, Jerickson Profar. Like, there's still some names. But um, at this point, I just kind of submitted to the fact that this, this is kind of the team – they're going to roll with Luplo and Eddie and, and left field. And uh, for DH, it's going to be whoever's not catching that day or Ozuna. That's just kind of um, kind of what I think is going to happen at this point. I mean, because they just really haven't, haven't showed any interest of doing anything else besides the moves that they've already made. Yeah, yeah, you're right, man. I think I think this is, we're looking at the final roster here. Um, you're going to start seeing some guys announced, and, and you're going to see that 40-man set in stone. Um, I don't think there's many more moves they need to make. I think they're going to roll with, uh, you know, kind of keeping left field open, you know, depending on who DH is, who's catching that night. Just like you said, um, you know, we're kind of running it back. Like shortstop, Grissom's the man. We all know this now. Um, so it's time to support him and, and see what he's got in him. So super excited to, to really sh- to see him in a full season. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what his defense looks like for sure. Um, that's a, that's a big, it's a big gap, you know, between him and Dansby right now. So we'll see how it plays out. I'm excited. I, I, I know a lot of, you know, this off season has been, Oh, look at the Mets. Look what they're doing. Look at the Phillies. They're re you know, they're just restocking up, but the Braves have, have talent. They have, you know, we're getting the Aussie back, you know, got Morton back on a one-year deal. I think it's going to be. We're gonna be right in the mix with everybody else, and this division is is legit. So we got to come out hot, and uh, I'm I'm ready to get baseball rolling around again. Yeah, me too. I've been missing baseball a lot too, especially like when it's I haven't watched these Hawks games every night, which haven't been the most fun to watch recently. It makes me really miss the Braves and watching a good product for a change. But um, hopefully, the Hawks can turn around because it is suck watching them lately. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, I mean, I'm excited. I've talked myself into um, Grissom and Eddie, surprisingly enough. I know Eddie was terrible last year, but I think Eddie is going to be good next year. He's going to hit. He's not going to be good in the field. We know that, um, but he's going to he's going to hit. He's just he's just been such a good hitter for so long before last year. He's just like he's not that bad. 
There's no way mm-hmm. he is. And with Luplo to compliment him, if he can be good, then I think left field can be fine. The one thing I am I am a little concerned about is DH because I do love Murphy and Darno. I think they're both really good. They're really good hitting catchers, but when you put them in a DH role, like they're still good, but like I don't think I don't think either of them could be like as good as Contreras was last year hitting. Like Contreras was just kind of out of his mind last year. I don't think anybody could be that good at catcher really, except for like Real Mudo. Um, but uh and Ozuna too, I just don't I don't know. Um, I hope he can bounce back, but that that's the one question mark in my mind is DH. It's it's gonna be interesting. And I think it's gonna be a lot of one of the catchers, whoever's not catching there's gonna be DHing, especially if Ozuna just shows nothing like he has the past two years. So it's gonna be interesting to see, but I am excited for the season, ready for it to get back. And yeah, and at least it's gonna be a bloodbath for sure. And uh I still think the Braves they're the they're the kings until they're not, and until the, I mean the Phillies did just go to the World Series, but they didn't win the NL East though. <laughs> you might go to the World Series, but you did not win the NL East, and the Mets haven't done any of that. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. And uh, yeah, very excited for the season. Spring training starts from the corner next month. It's already January, so next month yes, is spring sir. training. So yeah, not much time left for them making some moves, but still, they could do something. Um, but uh, we'll uh, if they do, we'll be here to talk about it. And um, I think I think that's all we got. I think we covered it all. You got any last thoughts on the Bravos? No, sir, I do not. Let's uh. Let's wrap this thing up. I'm I'm so excited yeah. for the Braves, man. Uh, you yes. know, went 102 games last year. Like, why are we so down on ourselves? You know, so I'm excited. Yeah, the Braves. The Braves are still really, really good baseball team. That's all I gotta say. So yeah, we can wrap things up. Get the hell out of here now. So uh, yeah, if you made it this far listening, we uh, we really, really appreciate it, and we will see you next week with another one. <laughs>